to the truth simply put the teaching broadcast vehicle of the basilea commission on today's teaching by alexander victor god's word rightly divided in the light of christ who is the central theme of the entire scriptures will come with simplicity precision clarity and power to instruct admonish edify and build you up into the full measure of the stature of christ now let's dive straight in so we'll just talk about it, and, um, and I'm, I am certain that there's a word to uplift you. I'm certain. Because one of the things you must never ever do is think for one second that God will ever be against you. Ever. He cannot be for you, in you, and be against you at the same time. For him to be against you, it will mean he took a break from being for you. Are you here? If he took a break from being for you to being against you, then that's you totally lost. Because him taking a break from you is is him unsealing you. Does that make sense? Thankfully, the believer today doesn't have to pray for God's presence. How much more to not lose God's presence? As though it's something he threatens you with and recalls when you don't perform. The cross of Jesus and his walk thereon gives perspective to the entire scriptures. Remember that one? It is the yardstick for New Testament theology and is the dissecting line between what was then and what is now. It's important when we teach the word of his grace that you understand the fullness of what the cross of Jesus Christ achieved. In addition to forgiving your sins and taking the penalty and you know giving you forgiveness and of course his resurrection giving you justification and in addition to it also being an example of how the body will function as we saw in church consciousness there's what Jesus did there's what what Jesus did did right there's that there's a third layer to the work of Jesus on the cross so forgiveness of sins will be the first layer exemplifying the body of Christ Right? And our dynamics with him is second layer. The third layer would be becoming the dividing line between two covenants. Because he could have forgiven your sins without necessarily changing covenant. He could have. He could have shown you the example he wanted to show you without changing, altering covenants. But you see, that is as consequential as Hebrews saying that because the priesthood changed. And I can't wait for us to get into Hebrews one day. Because there's no how you will study Hebrews or even read it and argue for the law. It is barbaric and satanic to attempt to prop up the law in an era of grace with such evidence as Hebrews. 
the book of Hebrews is too much evidence for the end of the law for any right thinking human being to preach about upholding it oh come on so you 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 missed all Paul wrote there's already something wrong with you already because wherever you turn from Romans Paul hits you Colossians he hits you Galatians he hits you First and Second Corinthians, everywhere you turn in Paul's letters, is advocating for grace as a replacement, not as an improvement of the law. And then you come to Hebrews, and you see that we have come to Christ, the mediator of a better covenant. You hear Paul, the writer of Hebrews saying if the previous covenant had been faultless but finding fault with them he said not finding fault with the covenant the Bible doesn't say that the law was flawed in that it brought out your flaw but the law is just holy and perfect the law is perfect because it showed your imperfection so, so the Lord did its job. So the law is good. It's bad only in the sense that it cannot fix the problem. The law is not a solution. The law is not medication. It's just diagnosis. <laughs> you understand? The law is the lab that tells you what's wrong with you. You understand? The lab technician that te- tests you against a set number of parameters and then establishes your problem what can you fix it? Because I went, to, I went to the lab and they did tests for me and they found that I had malaria and typhoid and they treated me uncle you didn't go to the lab you, you went to a glorified shop yeah so the law is great it's perfect it's, the law did its job And then he goes on to make clear statements like he takes away the first that he might establish the second. Emphatic statements that we know that him of whom we are speaking of, referring to Jesus, did not come from the tribe of Levi. The tribe of Levi is the tribe from which you get Levites, which don't exist anymore. A modern day Levite <laughs> Joker. So all the priests were called out of the tribe of Levi. Okay? Now, not every Levite was a priest, but every priest was a Levite. Do you understand that? If you were a priest, if you served in the temple, you came from the tribe of Levi. That's not to say that everybody from the tribe of Levi served in the temple. Some did other jobs and stuff around the temple. But not all of them were priests that stood in the presence. Does that make sense? Some of them were musicians. Right? Conair and, and, and his brothers. Uh, that all had Jedetun. All had different uh, choirs that they led at the time. So the Aaronic priesthood. Because Aaron and Moses were from the tribe of Levi. 
right? And of course, when God called Moses along with Aaron, his mouthpiece, Aaron was picked as the priest because Moses was prophet and mediator. Right? So Aaron, his brother, was picked as the priest. And when the law began to be handed down, it began to be handed down to Aaron and his son Eliezer, and then it begins to go down. So all the high priests were of the Aaronic priesthood. Are you following me? Now, I'm not teaching on priesthoods yet. I promised I will. But just to give you a backdrop to what I'm saying, all the priests came down from Aaron. Therefore, they came down from Levi. Right? That's why Hebrews will argue in chapter 6 that um, Levi paid tithe in Abraham's loins. That's why Levites qualified to receive tithe. Because the tithe on their life was paid by their progenitor. God had collected the tithe of the entire Levites in the seed of Levi when he was still in the, in the loins of Abraham. Levi being his what son? Abraham to Isaac. Isaac to Jacob. Jacob to Joseph. Jacob. Abraham to Isaac. Isaac to Jacob. Jacob's to his 12 sons, including Joseph. And it goes down. So the writer of Hebrews then comes and says... This person we're speaking of doesn't even come from Levi's tribe. That's already a problem. You're saying this guy is a priest. And all the priests have come from Levi. All, no exception. And then Jesus shows up. And it's not from Levi, it's from Judah. And that's a problem. But because it's God, it's not a problem. He ends Levi's priesthood. Is it not God? <laughs> so the minute Jesus showed up as a priest, Levi stopped having the ability to produce priests. He cannot. Does that make sense? Because now we have not a chief priest. We have a high priest. And it's come from Judah. So what happens now to the Levitical priesthood and all the laws? So the writer of Hebrews says, where there was change of priesthood, there had to be change of law. You follow me now? Because all the laws were the laws of the Aaronic or Levitical priesthood. Jesus did not come after that order. So Jesus could not have come to sustain Levi's priesthood. Are you following now? He couldn't have come to help Levi's ministry. <laughs> His coming put an end to Levi's ability to supply priests and therefore put an end to the need for the laws. 
So no, we don't have Jesus and Aaron together. No, the Aaronic priesthood gave way to the Messianic priesthood. Do you understand that now? That's the third layer of what the cross did. To draw a line and to be the line it drew between Aaron and Christ. Does that make sense? Which is to say, if anything would survive from here, it will have to meet the integrity test of the cross. Are you following me now? I'm finding myself teaching priesthoods already. But I needed to make the points I want to make. If we must borrow anything, if we must borrow a prayer from the Old Testament, it must meet the integrity test of the cross. If you ignore the cross, you will walk in doctrinal error in your finest and purest intention of knowing God. That's why it's important. Are you here today? It's important. If you miss the cross, and what, what, why, why do you think we're always shouting at the cross, dispensations changed? There's more to the cross than forgiveness of sin. If you miss that you miss everything I've said all that to say that I said God cannot be against you at the same time as being for you and then for him to be against you successfully it means he has to stop being for you which means you're finished and then I went on to say that for the believer praying for his presence is not a prayer point how much more praying to not lose it and the next thing that will come to someone's mind is how about David? That's why I showed you the cross first. Because you see, sir, you are not David. It sounds nice. Bless me. All that, let me quote King James. All that thou wilt bless me and enlarge. And as beautiful and honest and pure as it sounds, you are not Jabez. Jabez longed to see your day. You keep thinking you're normal if you don't appreciate that you are on the right side of the cross. You are not even at the cross. Oh. How can you be at the cross where the person that was on the cross is not there? You keep crying and singing to go back to the cross. You should hide you behind the cross. That the cross will do what for you there. Hide you behind the cross. Where's the cross? He left the cross to the grave. The grave could not hold him. He left the grave. to go back to a cross (laughs) 
looking for the cross, you might as well be looking for the grave. No. You are on the right side of the cross. This is the cross. This is somebody before the cross. This is the cross. You are you're not at the, you are the you are on the benefit side of the cross. You are on the done side of the cross, not on the do side of the cross. You're on the done side of the cross. You're on the receiving end of the cross. Not on the performing end of the cross. So before you, you look at, I'm teaching you how to handle, I'm already teaching covenant, so I'm teaching you how to handle scripture skillfully. So when you see David come here and saying, Sam, by my God, I mean, he's at the first time of Samuel, by my God, I can run through a troop, by my God, I can leap over a wall. What's the cross position? Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Okay, that means, by my God, I can run through a troop. Do you get it? Testament must pass the integrity test of the cross before it becomes your reality. The same David, cast me not away from your presence. Cast me not away from thy presence, O oh Lord. Take not the Holy Spirit from me. And woe, rest on to me. That joy is not the that vision. And in our spirit, and has given us the spirit as a guarantee. Yeah. He has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So you come to Brother David, take not your spirit, restore unto me the joy. I say, but he has given us the spirit as a guarantee. Yeah, David, no, sir. Because it doesn't pass the integrity test of the cross. Does that make sense? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Restore unto me the joy. Sir, you cannot lose it. <laughs> I, that's why you are told to rejoice always and I told you enjoy consciousness scripture cannot tell you to do what scripture does not believe you can do if scripture tells you rejoice always it's because scripture believes in you is the ability so you look at every single thing that happened in the old testament you filter it through the cross. What survives the cross stands as, a, as your reality. What doesn't cannot. Are you following me now? Is this good? So you look at all them prayers that they pray. You know, you, you come to argue for tithing. And then you take me to Genesis, Genesis 26 or somewhere where Isaac says, when he's running to Laban. And he builds that stone in Bethel. He says, if you keep me safe and bring me back here safely, then I will give you a tenth of my produce. That's, that's transactional. That's if you do for me, God, I will do for you, God. And I, I, dictate, the, I dictate the percentage. 
you know, if you take me to, you know, I'm running for, because I was running from Esau. Yeah. After having wronged him. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. And he put a stone there and he says, if you bring me back here, I will give you a ten. That's only the second time the word tithe is mentioned after Abraham. Who didn't give a tithe of money? Or even increase? Give a tenth of spoil. And then you now come and say, Father, like Jacob prayed. If you take me through and I break through, I will. No, sir. Our reality here is that God is able, 2 Corinthians 9 8, to make all grace abound towards you so that you, having all sufficiency, will abound unto. So now we have abundance not because we cut a deal with God that if he does something for us, we also do something for him. But because we have abundance, we can abound, have our sufficiency in all things. Because he makes what abound towards us. Grace. So what brings about abundance? Not works. So you can't make that your prayer. You shall, you shall, you shall, you shall seek me and find me, Jeremiah, when you have sought me with all your heart. You did not choose me. I chose you. God commended his love towards us in this manner. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. I am come to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man did not come but to seek and save that which was lost. On this side, they are looking for intently, hoping they would find. On this side, he came looking. He came looking. So you can't be on this side and be looking for what came and found you gave himself to you then put himself in you because his intention is to make you as himself what are you looking for he's in you is this helping anybody so any Old Testament uh, reference that will be accepted as New Testament reality must pass the integrity test of God's word, of the cross. Of the cross. So it, it dramatically alters your reality. I said all that to say that because you are on this side of the cross, God cannot be against you. That's why there's no flip side to if God be for us. Who can be against us? Because the flip side would have been if God be against us. <laughs> but there's no flip side because he will never be against you that's a boast 
is for me. That's why scripture says in Romans 8, I'm convinced. Emma calls Abba. And he calls the things that should separate. Life, death. Height, depth, width. Principalities, powers. Things past. That you're getting past. Things present, things to come. Tribulation, darkness, from imperial sword. It says, I am convinced that none of these things can separate us from the love of God, not your love for God. <laughs> from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, who is in you. Nothing can separate. Somebody that tattooed you. Isaiah 49, I believe. Indelibly. On the palm of his hands. He cannot repent of loving you. So you should never be found doubting God's intention towards you. Are you listening to me today? Never. In fact, the tougher it gets, the stronger your conviction. Because it means that thing is coming to test your resolve of God's conviction. God will not change his mind. He's not a man that he should lie. Not the son of man that he should repent, change his mind. He cannot. For his sons, he only knows one thing. Love. And that's beautiful. And that's, that's, that's what will lead me to what I want to share today, which I've titled, That Your Faith Fail Not. That Your Faith Faint Not. Luke 22. Tell anybody that your faith faint not. I, I, I chose that deliberately because that's how the King James puts it in Luke 22. It's the words of Jesus, you know, your elder brother. Very reassuring words. Woo. Luke twenty two thirty one. Ha ha! That's your faith. See, your faith will not fail. Yes, sir. Okay, only nine people. Okay, your faith. Let me correct myself. I'm sorry. Your faith, Ethiopian, cannot fail. Remember faith consciousness? Because this faith we're talking about has not fainted. It's not yours. If Paul told Timothy, if we are faithless, he cannot deny. So he preserves his faith in you for his name's sake. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ah, Luke 22. Let's start to eat. Oh, my faith cannot fail. My faith. My faith. My faith cannot fail. Ah, least of all by troubles of life. Least of all. 
the olive tree may not blossom though there's no fruit on the vine though the olive press may fail Luke 22 Jesus is speaking pay attention carefully and the Lord said Simon Simon pay attention to that oh, because I'm going to come back and pick it apart in a bit Simon Simon <laughs> indeed pay attention to that word Satan we're there today has asked for you that he might sift you as wheat and the Lord said Simon Simon Sat- indeed Satan has requested for you <laughs> from who that he might sift you as wheat next verse I'm going all the way to 34 but I Jesus I Jesus have not I will pray so Satan's request met a Jesus that had already prayed but had not already died had already prayed. Mm. 32. I prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Switch to the King James. Listen. Those of you, let me, let me, let me, let me tell something to repent of right now. You repent of giving the place of your intercessor to your mother. Do your mother's pray? Yes. But the prayer of your mother means nothing. If you're a real prayer warrior. It's silent. Because your mother's prayers cannot open the mouth of your prayer warrior if he's not praying. You know, we carry that. We, we, oh my, I will thank God for a praying mother. Thank God for a praying savior. Thank God for an elder brother that did not forget me because he has entered his inheritance. Thank God for an elder brother that is stealing but is contending until I deal with him. If my mother's prayers are answered, it's because she plugged her earphones to his iPod. So she heard what he has been praying. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a praying father. Praying, praying elder brother. Praying savior. Praying intercessor. Praying meditator. And he's not praying reactively. He's not praying when the problem came. He foresaw, foresaw the problem. Prayed alone. It's the problem that's late.
exceeded Satan's desire. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. His prayer preceded Satan's desire. Jesus saw the desire before the desire even came about. Didn't stop the desire. Allowed the desire to be fashioned but prevented it from prospering. See, it doesn't say no weapon shall be fashioned. It said no weapon fashioned will prosper. It's not God's business to stop the weapon from being formed. <laughs> A horse, David says, is prepared, Solomon says, is prepared for the day of battle, but the trees the Lord. So form the first the weapons, fashion the weapons. Who does the prosperity of the weapon lie with? <laughs> not prosper. But the weapons have been formed. Uh, Jesus said, I prayed for you. I prayed. I prayed. Tell your neighbor, Jesus has prayed for you. Prayed. Tap the other one with confidence and say, Jesus has prayed for you. So what Jesus is doing for you is what Jesus has already done for you. Luke 22 32 but I prayed for you that thy faith fail not that's why I chose King James for the title and when thou art converted other translations say strengthened others say restored strengthen thy brethren Keep going to verse 33 and go back to the New King James. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. But he said to him, that is Peter now, telling Jesus. You know Peter? It's Peter. Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. In other words, there's no way my faith can fail. What are you, what are you telling me? You mean I'm ready to die for you. You're telling me, Satan has desired me. Satan can't have me. I can't Satan have a dead man. A man has prepared to go all the way. That's why I've said over and over, the sum total of your relationship is what is remaining after it has been tested. Anybody can make noise. Until. Peter was like, ah, no, why is faith? Faint not. Satan desired to sift me, me, rock. I'm ready to go with you and die with you. And then, Jesus responds in 34. And he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. All your noise. I will die with you. I'm going to prison. You will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And that's the morning cry, just in case. You didn't know. Some of you that thought that the rooster crowed three times. No, Peter denied him three times before the rooster crowed. Yeah, because all of this was happening at night. So Jesus was saying by, by morning, by daybreak, 
by the time it's morning, you would have denied me three times. In other, in other words, between now and morning, there would be at least three occasions for you to deny me. It's another way of saying by six o'clock. It will not even be six o'clock when you have denied me three times. Do you understand that? But he had prayed. So Jesus knew Peter was going to deny him three times before the cock would crow, and Jesus was cool with it. And they come and tell you, well, the difference between Peter and Judas is that Peter repented. Where? Peter was prayed for. Why didn't Jesus, knowing that Peter would deny him three times, why didn't he change it? Why didn't he prevent it? Because Jesus understood prophetic agenda. So he said he prayed. Can we do a little, just a little forensic exegesis of that verse? Luke 22, 31. The Lord said to him, Simon, Simon. Simon, of course, is, you know that the New Testament was written in Greek. But I hope you also know that Jesus did not speak Greek. They spoke Aramaic or classical Hebrew. Yeah? Hebrew, basically. But Hebrew as it is today has evolved from what it used to be in the day of Jesus. So when you see names in the New Testament, they are often a transliteration of names from Hebrew into Greek. Saul and Paul. Saul is his Jewish name. Saul from the tribe of Benjamin, son of Kish. That's at least one other Jewish Saul that you know. Paul was a Greek rendition of his name as Saul. His name was not changed from Saul to Paul. I've showed that to you before. Scripture says Saul, who was also called Paul. Okay. So, so Simon is the Greek rendition of the Hebrew name Simeon. Hebrew name Simeon. And Simeon is interesting because it means he who will hear. And in bracket, you can add the word of the Lord. So Simon means he who hears the word of the Lord or the voice of God. Now this is interesting because we know his name was Simon. In fact, we even know that his father's name was John or Jonah. Hence he's called Simon Bar Jonah. Bar means off or the offspring of. Does that make sense? So we see Bar Jonah, it means of, or the offspring of Jonah, which is also to say John. 
right? This is important that you know some of these things. So it says, you are Simon Bar-Jonah. It says, you are Simon, son of John. Of Simon of John or of Jonah. Same thing. John, Jonas, Jonathan, all same Hebrew root. All of them. James, Jacob, same word. Hebrew root. Now, when this guy meets Jesus, one of the first things that Jesus does is give him another name. You know, Jesus named him Peter. Actually, Jesus named him Cephas. Because Cephas is the Hebrew name for rock. Now, when they were now writing the New Testament in Greek, Cephas is translated Peter from Hebrew to Greek. Do you understand that now? So, Peter is the Greek name that Jesus gave him. Or the Greek translation of the name Jesus gave him in Hebrew, which is Cephas. Right? So Jesus has changed his name. Prophetically or whatever. But whenever Jesus wants to instruct this guy, Jesus will call him Simon. Simon Simeon, the one who will hear what? So whenever he wants to instruct him or pull him up, he calls him Simon! Simon! Figuring the prophetic deposit of his name. In other words, hear me! Hear the word of the Lord. Hear me. And then Jesus will speak. But his name had been changed. Look at John 1.42. I have a few scriptures for you. Oh yeah. I told you this was going to be very juicy. John 1.42. Ha ha, the one who hears the word of the Lord John 1 42 go to 40 I, I, I touched on this briefly in discipleship consciousness one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew Simon Peter's brother remember he first found enough you know when you're reading scriptures you have the benefit of hindsight in other words I can I can have somebody walk in and we have met somebody else and because I'm, I'm talking in hindsight I can refer to somebody from the point of view of what I already know about them. Because I'm writing reported speech. I'm writing what has happened. Even though the chronology of why I'm calling the person that thing has not happened yet in my story. Now, I know some of you don't understand, but just follow me in John 1, 40 and 41. You'll see it. So go back to 40. That's what's important to, to teach the word gently. John 1 40 and one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew pay attention to the next phrase Simon Peter's brother now John is writing this with the benefit of hindsight so he's already identifying this guy as Simon Peter before the fact 41 you see you see where that Peter came he first found his own brother Simon right so we have called, we have already introduced the phrase Simon Peter, but we haven't explained how the phrase came about. But because I'm writing something that has happened, I already know that this guy is going to end up being called Simon Peter. So I already refer to him as Simon Peter, even though the name Peter has not been given to him in the story. Are we together so far? Are you sure? So he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated 
the Christ. And he, Andrew, brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus looked at him, Jesus said, You are Simon Barjona, King James. Simon, son of... Am I teaching you well? Yes, Go to King James, KJV. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. One of the old King James, authorized King James says, Bar Jonah. Which means to say, son of, or the offspring of. Okay, go back to New King James. He said, you are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called. Instantly. You are Simon, Jonah's son. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Cephas is the Hebrew name for Peter. Yeah? So here's how these translations, are you interested? Here's how these translations happened. Because sometimes you expect to hear the name sound similar. Translations were not done on account of similarity of pronunciation. They were done on account of similarity of meaning in the respective languages. So when your name is Cephas, and your Cephas means stone, right? In your ethnic language, what is stone or rock, big rock? That's Peter. So if you are reading your ethnic Bible, it should translate it because there's a name in ethic called that doesn't have to rhyme with Cephas. Do you understand it now? Now it's only borrowed languages that share similarities like Abraham and Ibrahim, like Jacob and Yakubu, like Peter and Petrus. I've contrasted English and Hausa, English and Arabic. Because there's a lot of borrowed nuances here and there. And I said that to address the question of why is Cephas and Peter the same? Yeah, because Petros, which is where you get Peter from, means a big stone. Yeah, rock. Cephas means rock or stone. So, his, his Hebrew, let's use the word Hebrew. It's Aramaic, but let's, let's you know. Let's say it's Hebrew. His Hebrew name is Cephas, which when translated to Greek is Petros, rendered in English, Peter. Does that make sense to you now? So the first thing Jesus does when he sees him is to name him Cephas. Name him Peter, whilst acknowledging his Simon. Notice, Jesus did not change his name. He added to him a name. Hence, Simon Peter. Or Simon, who is, some translation says Simon, who is called Peter. It's important that his name was not changed because it's important what his name means. Now, Jesus gave him a name. You would have thought that Jesus would prefer addressing him by the name he gave him. And also, if I gave you a name, even if it was a nickname, because some theologians actually believe that, that um, Peter or Petros was a nickname of Guy Wetoff. That's why he's cutting off the chief priest servant's ear. That's why he's chancing Jesus. You know, he's always doing all those tough boy things. So they believe he was a nickname. But Jesus clearly says, you shall be called Cephas. 
It's beyond a nickname. Make sense? So, you see, Jesus called him Cephas, but not always addressing him as Cephas. Look at 1 Corinthians 1 and 12, just to show you that what you're being taught is not a lie. 1 Corinthians 1 and 12. This is Paul speaking. Paul being the Greek name for Saul. Right? Now, Paul is saying, now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apostle, Apollos, and you think they didn't call Peter. How would they be calling Apostles they didn't call Peter? I am of Cephas. This is Simon Peter. Because you can't be calling the foremost apostles of Jesus and not and skip Peter's name. No, his name wasn't skipped. His, he was called by the name Jesus gave him. Is this helping anybody? Paul repeats that name again in 1 Corinthians 3 and 22. 1 Corinthians 3 22. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas. I, I wonder how maybe the message or TPT might, might, what name they might choose. 1 Corinthians 1.12. I tell you exactly what I was told. You're all picking sides, going around saying I'm on Paul's side or I'm for Paulus or... Point is... Cephas is Simon Peter. Was that helpful? So when you see Cephas, 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 Simon Peter. That's the name Jesus gave him, John 1 to 42. Right? Okay. One more. Let's, let's see one more. In 9.5, 1 Corinthians 9.5. Just so that you understand and get the flow properly. 1 Corinthians 9 and 5. Paul is arguing that that's not relevant to us right now but he says and we have a right to support for us and our families you don't no give me new king james first please do we have no right to take along a believing wife as do all the other apostles the brothers of the lord and cephas how does paul know how do we know that cephas was married because jesus went to peter's mother-in-law's house peter could not have had a mother-in-law <laughs> Do you understand it now? So Peter is Cephas. And Jesus named him that, but Jesus will not call him that. He will call him, hear the word. And Jesus will call him that whenever he wanted to say something profound. Matthew 16, 17. Matthew 16, 17. Oh, I love this. I love this. My faith cannot fail. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah, son of Jonah. And then he starts to go on. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Simon Bar Jonah, 17, Matthew 17, 24 and 25. You see it again. Matthew 17. I love God's word. There's, there's so much detail on there that can keep you in awe for the rest of your life. This is the word of God. So rich. 24. When they came, when they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter, who is also known as 
and his Greek name would be? No. Thank you. Coming from his Hebrew name, which was? His name is Simon Peter. His name that his father gave him was Simon. His father's name was Jonah. Simon Bar Jonah. Jesus saw him. Jesus was a Jew. Simon was a Jew. Living in Greek times. So they had Greekified his name. Simon was the Greek translation of Simeon. Both Simon and Simeon mean the one who hears. Hearing as in the word of the Lord. Jesus sees him and names him Cephas, which is Hebrew for rope or stone. Right? But it's rendered Petros in the Greek because Petros means a boulder or a big stone or a rock. Then it arrives in English as Peter. Make sense? However, whenever Jesus is addressing him to pull him up on something, he will invoke the Simon clause. So, Matthew 17, 24. Came to Peter, who is now, we now know who this is, right? And said, does your teacher, that's referring to Jesus, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? Next verse. He said yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus anticipated him. Oh, Jesus. He's outside the house. Had a conversation. Jesus was inside the house. Anticipated him, saying, what do you think? Simon and then he gets deeper from whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes from their sons or from strangers I don't want to be tempted to go here but you see Jesus calling his attention by calling him Simon Luke 5 and 4 <laughs> Luke 5 and 4 we're just exploring the word Simon a little bit when he had stopped speaking he said to Simon Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon, have you heard what? Do the word. And then we come back to Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31. Simon, Simon. The one who hears, the one who hears the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is about to speak to you now, Simon invocation of his priming to receive God's word. And by virtue of our discipleship posture, each and every one of us has the Simon deposit. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Simon is the deposit in you that guarantees when the word calls, you will respond. Even if you go gra gra about it, you know what I mean? Even if you go crazy about it, ultimately, you will hear the word. And when you hear the word, when you call me, I will respond. So now that God, Jesus says to him, Simon, Simon. And he's like, Sasa. Now he's ready to hear the word. Does that make sense? Because when you hear, it's like your African mother or father calling you three times. They do not ask you how many times. That was the nuance by which Jesus would say, Simon, Simon. 
You hear now? So now he has his attention. He now says to him in 21 of, uh, 31 of Luke 22, Indeed, Satan has asked to see. Behold there in King James, which is what is used as indeed or look, look out, other translations say, is a word that means for something to have an appearance. Right? So when it says indeed or behold, it's not just, hey. Does that make sense? It is the same word that is used when it said of, of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit came on him in bodily form. Or the Holy Spirit appeared in the shape or of the similitude of a dove. Does that make sense? It's the same word in the Greek used when it says, flee every appearance of evil. That's the same word used for indeed or behold. It's not just behold like see. It says, comprehend this thing. Take cognizance of the appearance of what I'm about to tell you. Does that make sense? Simon, Simon, let me show you this thing. Let me paint a picture for you. Now, English says indeed or behold, unfortunately. But it's much richer in the original language. So now he has his attention by saying you will hear the word. He says to him, I want to paint a picture for you. So Simon is ready to see the picture. And once he's ready to paint the picture, the first word and the picture, Satan. Satan, again, same principle of Cephas and Peter. That's why I'm pronouncing it the way I'm pronouncing it because Satan in the Greek is from Satana or Satanas in the Hebrew. Make sense? Okay, that's important. Satanas in the Hebrew, Satan in the Greek, means adversary. One who constantly stands against. Satan does not mean devil. Even though devil is Satan. Once upon a time, pre-incarnate Jesus, the angel of the Lord was Satan. Because Satan is a designation before it is a person. Satan is a definition, adversary, someone who stands against. So, precious right now can be Satan. The moment she becomes an adversary or someone that stands against. Our problem in church is that we have taken what they've taught us and one word means the one thing. Is there a chief adversary? Yes. Of course. But that chief adversary is has taken on Holy Spirit help me with this God created man in the beginning God created man Ha Adam 
That's man in the Hebrew. Ha Adam. Adam means man. Adam, Adam means nothing. Man. Are you following me now? There's no special meaning. In the beginning, God created her Adam. Male and female, ish in Hebrew, ish and isha. Ish and isha are two gender of her Adam. Does that make sense? So ish is the male Adam. Isha is the female Adam. But both of them together, mankind or human race, is called Adam. Does that make sense? As we start to write the scriptures and start to document the scriptures, we realize this first Adam doesn't have a name. So the word Adam becomes his name. Do you understand it? Adam's mankind. Adam is not even male. Adam means nothing. Adam is mankind. Adam, mankind, human race. In the beginning, God created. Okay, if Adam, if man was male, why would the scripture then say male and female created he them? Who is them? Man. And so Genesis 6 will say, and he repented God that he made man. Man there is mankind. Because by that time, Adam was not there. There was a lot of people. And all of those people were called what? Man. So when Numbers 23 says, God is not a man. He's saying God is not human. Do you understand it now? Bring that same etymological principle to Satan. As Adam means man or refers to man, Satan refers to accuser, adversary, opposer, especially one who wants to cancel or thwart the will of a superior. Are you following me now? That means anyone can have a satanic proclivity. Do you understand? But there's their senior elder that has done it so much that we have to carry that description and make it his name. Does that make sense? So, serpent, Leviathan, whatever. Oh, you know what? Satan. Does that make sense? So somebody has been a murderer so much, you know, name him killer. And there's people that have those kind of nicknames. Yeah, I've been Striker. Undertaker one. So their description becomes their identity. Doesn't mean they're the only ones that kill. But these ones have taken killing personally. 
such that by virtue of their mileage in the killing ministry, their name Killer. Bullet. Sniper. Are you following me now? So it's not just Satan's name. It is first a description. Anyone can become it. There is not just one Satan. But think about it for a minute, guys. If there can be many false Christs, why can't there be many Satans? John writes, he said, at this moment, many false Christs or many anti-Christs have gone into the world. Why can't there be many Satans? So the way that you are as Christ, auntie, you can be as Satan. Yes, uncle. Anyone found working in diametric opposition to an established will is Satan. Anyone. 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 Reverend, bishop, son of God, believer, saved, eternally saved, Satan. But you see, when you hear Satan, you think the guy. And then you will be a bit confused because he cannot possess you. So you'll be like, no, 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 it's not possible. I can't be serving Satan. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. There's no space for another spirit. No, I, and that's why many believers do not know when they are doing Satan's work. Because truly, he's not in them. But a tendency that he defines and gives life to is working in them. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I looked at somebody who was struggling with pornography and called them a porn star, they would be offended. I would look at me a porn star. Why would he say I have sex for money to camera for millions of people to watch? And you, you'll be right. You're not a porn star. Let me use myself. I'm not a porn star. So, I'm not a, I know I'm not a porn star. But I'm watching pornography. I'm indulging pornography. So I'm exhibiting pornographic tendencies. I, I, I would tell myself, over my dead body, will I strip for money? But I enjoy the kicks that come from watching someone who does it for money. So you can afford to exhibit a trait of something you are not. And so you have believers who are looking for the line with a fine tooth comb and a magnifying glass. No, now, if I'm devilish, I will know. If I'm doing Satan's work, I will know. No, me, Satan, me, whom the Spirit of God dwells. Satanic, God forbid. But his tendencies manifest as easily as you become an adversary. What is Satan? Let me show you a few in scripture. 
Are you ready? You, 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 I'm going ahead of myself. But do you realize that this same Simon Peter was called what? Jesus looked at a man. His disciple. The same person that saw the revelation that on this rock I will be my church. Jesus looked at Simon and said, get behind me. At that point, I've gone ahead of myself. But Jesus was not binding a satanic spirit in Peter. Christianity taught you that Jesus was judging Satan in Peter. No. Satan was judged, Jesus was judging Peter as Satan. It's a difference. He wasn't the Satan, Satan, the devil inside Peter, possessed Peter. You know, Peter now was no longer Peter, he was now possessed by the devil. Then Jesus looks at him and says, I rebuke you, Satanist. No, it was Peter Jesus was speaking to as Satan. It was Peter the man that at that point was Satan. Why? Because he stood against God's will. And what was he standing against? Beautiful things. Though. From that I will show you. From that moment on, Jesus began to tell them how he will go to Jerusalem and suffer and die and after three days rise again. And Peter said, don't say these kind of things. Who am I just trying to settle and enjoy you being our leader and our savior? You are talking about dying. And Peter said that from a good place. Because he loved Jesus. They want to lose Jesus so soon. This ministry is only three years old. You're a young man. You're 33. We just left everything to follow you. And you wake up. You think it's normal for a 33-year-old man to start talking about dying. So Peter says, just don't, don't talk like this, sir. With all due respect. And at that point, he became one that was standing against God's eternal prophetic agenda. Eternal prophetic agenda. That must be fulfilled. In that instant, a man became Satan. And Jesus looked at him and said, Satan. It wasn't Satan, the prince of this world, that entered Peter. It couldn't have happened around Jesus. It's not, it's not possible that you are with Jesus and then Satan now entered you. When demons see Jesus and start begging. He wasn't the first man to be Satan. First Samuel 29. Take your seats if you can. More, I haven't even started. First Corinthians 29.4. See? First Samuel, I beg you. First Samuel 29.4. Look at this carefully. Woohoo! It's lovely. 
1 Samuel 29 and 4. But the princes of the Philistines were angry with him. So the princes of the Philistines said to him, how many of you are reading this on my phone? Smartphone. Bible hub, anybody? Okay. So the prince of the Philistines said to him, make this fellow return that he may go back to the place which you have appointed for him and do not let him go down with us to battle lest in the battle he become our adversary. If you have Bible hub, click Hebrew. And let this verse come up and see what is used for adversary. Quickly. Bible Hub. First Samuel 29.4. Click Hebrew at the top. Find the word for adversary. Before you think I'm preaching nonsense. I'm waiting. If you're, of course your phone has to be online, yeah? found it who has found it has it opened find the word scroll down you see the English transliterations it doesn't it doesn't make English sense but you see the transliterations what's the word Satan well, who else has found it you found it as well Satanan what did you find for adversary what's the word they used no, no, no. If you open it's like a lexicon. If you open it, you'll see the English word all messed up. But the Hebrew words lined up to the side of it in a different column. Next to what is rendered adversary, you'll see the Hebrew word there. Yeah? Satan. That's Satan. That's the Satan. I need so. Can you guys see it? Because it's easy for me to manufacture a thing and come and bamboozle you. We're not in this era where you can go online and see for yourself what truth is. So, lest this person become Satan to us. Because once he goes in opposition to us, that's Satan. Any spirit, any form of opposition is Satanic. Even if it's not coming from Satan. Because Satan too is doing what the person is doing. Satan and the person are colleagues. One just has the name. Are you following me now? Okay. 2 Samuel 19.22 So things I've been waiting for years to start teaching little by little. Little by little. 2 Samuel 19.22 David said, What have I to do with you sons of Zeruah that you should be Satan to me today? Same word. Same word. Adversary. First Kings eleven fourteen. First Kings eleven fourteen. Now the Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon, but this guy has the name. He's a man, Hadad the Edomite. But who was he to Solomon? And Satan, the person, whoever he is, was not here. Hmm? 11.23 Another, Solomon had many different satans in his life. What, I mean, what do you expect? Solomon. 23 God raised up another adversary against him. Rezon son of Eliada who had fled from his Lord. Elohim. That's, that's not good. Eh? 
Not even Lord. It's not only God that is Lord. Mm-hmm. It's not only God that is Lord. So when Christians go into court and say, I cannot bow to you because only Jesus is my Lord. You are foolish. The Lordship that the judge is, it's not the Lord that the Lord is. That's why your Lord is Lord of Lords. So calling a judge my Lord doesn't make him my Lord and my God. Doesn't make him the one that was given the name. me. No, sir. Let me call you your judgeship. No, I will bow to you as you. Otherwise, I should never lift my hands when I'm on the balcony and I see you coming in from downstairs and I wave at her. I've just given her the worship of God. Because I also wave my hand in worship. I lift my hands to the Lord as a sign of surrender. And then I see somebody, I'm like, hey. I'm like, no, no, why should I, why should I wave? Why should I worship you? Who, who you? But I'm waving to her as a wave and I'm worshiping to the Lord as a Lord. My Lord, doesn't we? You, you, I hope you and I both know the level of Lord you are. Lord said to my Lord, eh, eh, eh. The, the, the same. So Peter was called Satan, Matthew 16 23. Matthew 16 23. Put Proverbs put, put 21. Proverbs 21 on. <laughs> Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things, which is why you are here. Because <laughs> he was bruised for your infirmities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Jesus was telling them that he's preparing to go to Jerusalem and collect the beating to save you. Sir, I don't know about you, but that beating is important. <laughs> Let nobody stop Jesus from collecting. Ego collect. <laughs> How dare you sabotage my salvation by trying to disrupt his collection. You collect, sir. <laughs> ah. Because that's what Jesus was telling them. Go to Jerusalem, put it back up 22, and suffer these things and be put to death from the other century priest and, next slide, scribe, and be killed. And be raised on the third day, which is how we're here. Peter wanted Jesus 
to live a long, fulfilling, happy life. Marry Mary Magdalene, have 14 children, build skyscraper in Capernaum, open a fishing business. Doesn't matter what we're fishing, fishes or men or tortoise, it doesn't matter. Let's just all be fishers and live to a good old age after a Methuselah live now. Jesus is looking at this person. He's trying to stop what sees the foundation of the world. He has been waiting to do. See, at that point here, Satan is, Peter is worse than the real Satan. What are you saying? God's eternal prophetic agenda. You want to use affection <laughs> to press spoil because you like Jesus. Be say Satan. See Paul's response. Peter's response to what Jesus said in verse 22. 32. What he t- no, go to 22, 22, 22. Then Peter took him aside. <laughs> because you know, Peter always felt like he had superior standing than the other guys. Bible history has it that he was actually older than Jesus and much older than most of the other disciples. So he carries, Jesus is talking to everybody. Peter draws him aside. See, see, see. Rabbis don't talk like this. <laughs> Everybody's waiting. Imagine, like right now, stay here, Golden. I'm teaching to all of you. Yeah? And Patrick walks up to me and carries me and says, Come, I want to tell you something. And leaves all of you in limbo. Waiting. It takes a level of authority. Or at least a false sense of it. To think you can draw away the teacher. To teach him. Put the verse up. Let me, let's teach Jesus. So Peter came aside and began to rebuke him saying. Far be it from you Lord. This kind of thing cannot happen to you. Yes, you didn't know you are the Messiah. Messiahs don't just die like that. Give us the TPT of the message. Peter took him aside. Wait, am I teaching you well? Reprimanded Jesus. Reprimand is a strong word. Reprimanded Jesus over and over. Saying, Master, spy yourself. You must never. 
the message. Peter took him in hand, protesting. Impossible, master. That can never be. I finished teaching you. Rebuked him sharply. Why are you talking like this? You know, sometimes when I'm teaching, thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm teaching sometimes, it sounds far fetched, it sounds exaggerated. Until you see some of these other translations shed lights to it. That's why we, we teach from revelation, from, from what we see from the letters by the Spirit. Rebuked him sharply. How dare you? How can, how can you be saying this kind of thing? Please. And then list 23. Jesus considered you. Considered me. Considered the eternal will of his father. Turn to the man speaking. The man. Wasn't a spirit speaking. It was a man. Satan, the, the person, the entity, the spirit, never does anything out of good intention. Satan cannot be good even if he tried. So Satan could not have been in Peter trying to stop Jesus from dying. That's, not, that's point number one. Satan doesn't have good intention. No, that, that you are the Messiah who will die. That cannot come from Satan. Secondly, hmm? this Satan guy killed Jesus because he didn't know it was Jesus. If the princes of this world had known, they would not have crucified. He was convinced as we kill Jesus, that's the end. Now, if he had figured out that Jesus will not, that will not be the end, he would have been the one gingering to get him out. Because he knows if he kills him, he has killed all the sons that we brought into glory. But he was trying to prevent Jesus from being killed. That wasn't Satan. Satan wanted Jesus dead. To put an end to all this Jesus drama, once and for all. Let's move on to other things. God willing. <laughs> Let's finish all this Jesus nonsense and Let's get back to life as normal. So had he known, he would have expedited the killing of Jesus. Not instigate Peter to stop him from being killed. So the Satan at work is the Satan that is Peter. Not Satan that is in Peter. So I repeat, Jesus was not rebuking Satan in Peter. Jesus was rebuking Peter as... Satan. At that point, Peter was Satan. I made a statement a while ago. I said, even the pre incarnate Jesus. Numbers 22. 
of you that have your Bibles on smartphones. You ready? Huh? Numbers 22, 31 and 32. You know the story of Balaam and the donkey. And the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel, capital A, of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed his head. And fell flat on his face. 32. And the angel of the Lord said to him, to Balaam. Why have you struck your donkey? This three times. Behold, I have come out. Find the word. No, no, have you opened it already and seen it? Okay. Let's others who are searching search. You found it? I think you look good, by the way. Especially against that white backdrop where you're popping. You are, you are popping fine melanin. You found it? What's the word of what the angel of the Lord is doing? Being the adversary here, the angel. not an angel. You're here long enough. I've taught you the difference between the two. When the angel of the Lord shows up, he receives worship. An angel cannot receive worship. John tried to worship one in Revelation. He said, Hey, don't worship me. Worship God, the testimony of Jesus. Angels don't receive worship. The angel receives worship. Because that's the pre-incarnate song. The song before the body. That's who Joshua saw with sword drawn. Joshua asked him, are you for us or against us? <laughs> he replies, yeah, I'm not in the business of it. It's angels that do for or against. I'm captain of the Lord's host. That's Jesus' title. And Manoah, Samson's father, saw the angel of the Lord and worshipped him. Sacrificed to him. Abraham saw him. Hagar saw him in Genesis 16. When he appears, he speaks as God. An angel speaks for God. The angel speaks as God. I think I'll teach you. An angel speaks for God. The angel speaks as God. And he, the scripture says in the Hebrew, it's because you're reading English that you're not seeing Satan there. <laughs> you know, adversary makes it sound makes it sound cute. Moza. But imagine if you're reading your Hebrew Bible. The angel of the Lord, La Satana <laughs> Sabatani. <laughs> <laughs> I 
So, is Jesus Satan? No. Did he become a Satan at a point in time? Yes. Just like in his case, he was an adversary to somebody who was being an adversary of God. Do you understand? He was standing against somebody who was standing against his father's business. So, you know, Satan needed a bigger Satan. Did you get it? Because for Jesus to become Satan to Balaam, Balaam was already a Satan. So we now needed a senior, you know, elder. That's it. Because I tell you, don't prophesy this. That's what you want to prophesy. Don't go here. That's where you're going. In spite of what God has told you, Balaam, son of God. Okay. Don't keep trying to straight. You're not, you're not listening, right? Okay. Angel, go not as the angel. Go and stand against me. When James says, God resists the proud. Yes. What's God doing? Then the devil is also called Satan. That's because he's the chief adversary. His own is. His own is. Satan is Satan to Jesus. Not just to you. At least he tried to be. Matthew 4. Verse 10. Pay attention to what he told Peter. When Peter stood in opposition. Called him Satan. Jesus says to the accuser now, to Satan. Away with you, Satan. Does that sound similar to what he told Peter? <laughs> but this is not to Peter or to any man Jesus is talking in verse 1 Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil Matthew 4 1 devil diabolon devil so in this Matthew 4 you see diabolon being satanic so you see that most times he's called Satan for the description of what he's doing. Not for who he is. Who he is by name is Diabolon. Devil. Diabolon from which you get diabolic which means accuser. So everybody who accuses anybody is being diabolical. Who are you? To accuse. It's, it's not scripture. Romans 14 4. Romans 14 4. Who are you to accuse another man? Have you noticed that the devil, Diabolon, this is a slight deviation or diversion. Have you noticed that Satan, not, not as devil, devil, Diabolon, is accuser of this brethren, not of the unbelievers? If that doesn't instruct you, now nothing will. Yeah. It's not sinners he's accusing of being sinners. It's believers. 
he's accusing believers and God and listening. Uh, and sometimes Satan or devil accusing the brethren is doing it on good authority that he saw them do something. He instigated them to do something. Accusation from the devil doesn't mean that it is wrong. Doesn't mean the devil does not generate what didn't happen. The devil is a record keeper of the things that happen. The problem is the record is keeping, heaven is not keeping it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that's a problem. Because every time he comes before God, he brings his meticulous record. Meticulous sneeze, Satan kept record. You winked at somebody, devil kept record. You know, that's his ministry. He's keeping a record that heaven cannot corroborate. What a frustrating ministry. At this point, I'm feeling sorry for devil. Honestly, it's a very pitiable, sad case. You are keeping such a meticulous record. Every time you come and the auditors check it, they can't, they can't cross-reference it against anything heaven has. And you too, you keep keeping the record. So, Satan's job as accuser, Diabolon, is to keep record of what the sons of God did wrong and come to their father and say, look at your children, they're all messed up. And heaven opens the record and says, which one? And they say, favor. And he checks and says, I don't see nothing here. And it's like, no, 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 no. On the 26th of September, 1, 2 a.m., exactly here by what market, check your records again. And heaven checks. The blood washed it. sanctified you sanctified the devil <laughs> so 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 your, your sins are gone in the eyes of him before whom you stand righteous yes. but because satan is still as dirty as he has always been every dirty thing he has on you he has a record of you understand the finished work oh i said this with all sense of care do not wash away Satan's record in Satan's archives. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because before the cross, for Satan to have your record, heaven has it. The soul that sins is that die. Where is he coming from? Ezekiel 18:20. The soul that sinned shall die. How would God know that you sin if there's no record? How are we blotting out something that wasn't written? Yeah. 
So if he blotted our transgressions, it means somewhere in the annals of heaven. Once upon a time, heaven had record of every evil thing you did. Now, heaven's record is wiped. Satan's record is intact and growing. And the frustrated fellow wakes up every day adding more asinine accusations to his long list that heaven has never for one day corroborated since the day I said I believe. So today again and again and again and again I believe. Again and 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 again I believe. Ha 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 that's what believing does. I believe sir. Believing my faith is Satan's worst nightmare. So, so that's it. I believe. Come and beat me. I believe. Such a frustrating ministry. Imagine now that he now has ambassadors in the church. Because he's an accuser of the revelation. 12-10. Like he's not the brethren. So we're even the ones that are giving him a job. Our being brethren is what arms his accusation occupation. Because if there are no brethren, you can't accuse your own. They're ready with you. Revelation 12. 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren. Diabolon. It is brethren here. Zechariah 3 and 1. Ooh, that's, 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 that's a good one. Zechariah 3 1. Woohoo. That was uh, the body of Joshua. Yes. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest. And oh, oh, Holy Spirit, I, I don't want to get into trouble, oh, but. Uh, this Joshua here is not son of none because son, son of none was not a high priest. But Joshua is Yehoshua. What Zechariah saw was a vision. Vision, not physical happening. Because Zechariah and Joshua didn't, their timelines overlap. One, two, Joshua the son of Nun was not a high priest. He was not even a priest. Hmm? Mm-hmm. But Jesus, Yehoshua, is the captain of our salvation, which is why Joshua's book points to him. Yeah, Joshua was a type of Yehoshua. Because the two names are one name that means Savior and His salvation. The Savior and His salvation. Yes. The Savior and His salvation. Yahushua, Joshua. 
So this Joshua, the high priest, is not Joshua son of Nun. Yes, <laughs> Zechariah 3 1. Yes, Zechariah 3 1. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. Which is what we see him doing after Jesus or when Jesus was being tempted. Matthew 4. So let's go back to Matthew 4. You see, we're in verse 2 now. Oh, one. Diabolon. Oh, in this church, Satan is fully exposed. <laughs> no idea, please. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter is called the tempter here, no name. Tempter, the one who tempts. Came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that the stones become bread. Keep going. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not leave man here, mankind shall not leave by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil, Diabolon, uh, accuser, took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and it's also written, In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on a high, an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I showed you this in deception consciousness. Next verse. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. By this time, Jesus said, away with you, Satan. Tempter, accuser, accuser. You know what? At this point, you're an adversary. I'm done talking with you away from you. you get it? Mm. So I wrote here, Satan is also a job description. Mm. Yeah. Satan is a job description. That's so why at one point you saw the angel of the Lord being Satan, you saw Peter being Satan, you see uh, the Edomite son being Satan, you see this other guy being Satan, you see devil being Satan. You saw, you saw the devil being satanic. It's because he's, he's satanic on such a level that he's now also nicknamed or known by the name Satan. I put here the definition of diabolon. Those of you that were not here when I talked about it a while ago. Diabolon, which is the word you get devil from in Greek, means a slanderer par excellence. Now from your mouth we go hear him. That's, that's devilish. So see what I keep, you know we, we keep thinking because we're not demon possessed, we're okay. Keep thinking because you're delivered by the cross, you're okay. So we teach and preach some things in the gospel, you think they don't apply to you. Because you, you know definitely Satan cannot live in you. But you can live as him. We agree. He can't possess you. He can't. I mean it's not possible. But you, you can act and live and behave. Because 
Because what does it take to be devilish? Be a slanderer. Just be the one we hear all the news about the brethren from. That's all. Is that easy? Be the tabloid of the kingdom. Diabolon, slanderer par excellence, one who accuses and defames, unjustly criticizing to hurt, malign, and condemn in order to sever a relationship. Accuser of the brethren. There's only one thing he's interested in. Your relationship with God that he doesn't have and will never have. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Satan is not troubled by money. But if he thinks money is what will get you to fall out with God, he'll come for money. That's what happened with Job. Does, does Job fear you, you for nothing? It's not because you have hedged him about. So it's not interesting. Satan is not, Satan cannot be envious of a human being. He cannot. How can you be envious of someone that needs to get into a plane to go from here to Australia? How will he be envying you? You have, you have not built your house. But the whole kingdoms of the world are his. You don't even have two boys on your street that you can call to help you beat somebody. And he, had, he has hordes of devils, demons all over the place doing his bidding. And then he's jealous of you. Of what you have. No. The only thing he's upset with you about is what you have that he doesn't have and he can't have so he wants to spoil you from having it. Let's, let's all not be sons of God together. Do you get it now? Let's all, let's all be spoiled together. Let's all be damaged goods together. Yeah. So, why, how dare you show me something I can't be? Something I can't have? I will spoil it for you too. Now, if you have shown me that your marriage is the way to spoil it, I will go for your marriage. Not because your marriage threatens me. If you have shown me that you are particular about your body and particular about your skin, it's your skin I will go for. So that's why in people's lives, he uses different things to achieve the same purpose. Listen to me. It is you that highlights for Satan what, is, what matters to you. come for what he thinks is what matters enough to dislodge you. Or who he thinks can dislodge you. See, diabolism is not witches that fly at night. Ah, that's, that's elementary witchcraft. People go for meeting the night. That's elementary.
elementary witchcraft because those ones we can suspend them from flying over our space. The witches in church. The devils that are not in the pit or in the hell or in the abyss. And they are not roaming to and fro. Neither are they in the presence of God when they are not running to and fro. Because devil, if he's not running to and fro, he's in God's presence giving account. At least for him, we can account for his movement. The devil has no apology being devil. You're the one that is threatened by him being Satan. He's so comfortable in Satan's skin that he goes to God as devil. Doesn't wash his hands. Doesn't sanitize. Sons of God presents themselves and Satan comes among them as Satan, as he is. He's not trying to change his cloth and clean up. But then you will tell you, you fell, you sin, and you dare lift up holy hands. Go away! Go and clean yourself up. But the person that's accusing you is in the presence. Only a foolish believer will be played by the devil. You, you, you like this. You, worship. You, worship leader. You, pastor. People are calling themselves pastor. You too. You are monk. That's diabolic. They're coming to dislodge you. So, I should doubt my salvation. When you that has no salvation, see the throne every day. You have no salvation. You have no hope of salvation. That's why I've told you over and over. When the devil comes to remind you of your past, and that includes yesterday, remind him of his future. When he tells you how you were, how you are, what they've done to you, how you've messed yourself up, tell him, do you know that you'll be falling inside the pit for 1,000 years? 1,000 years. That abyss that they've been prophesying. You know this, You know it's coming. Oh, you don't know? Sit down. Let me teach you the scriptures. After 1,000 years of falling and you're not reaching the end, at the end of 1,000 years, an angel will just reach the pit and just reach for 1,000 years and pick you back up. And there is three of you, you don't know you, your first cousin, hell, and your other brother, death. Three of you. Will be judged and cast into the lake of fire that will now be annihilated and you see, you will cease to exist. So last, last, I senior you idiot. You don't treat him with kid gloves. You don't treat him like he's a teddy bear. You sit down as son of God. God gave you his quality of life. Somebody who will be judged now starts to make you second guess yourself. Now you know guess so when it comes to start to whisper sit him down you're the one that let him become a god he's a servant in the church it's Christianity that made Satan as big as he is because if, if the church is a church we should be calling Satan to a meeting and sit him down 
and we will speak by the Spirit. Somebody will hear what he said and tell us this is what Satan said. That's the place of the church. Why would Paul say, when I'm there with you in spirit, that and the spirit of God. God, call this person, 1 Corinthians 5, call this person, call Satan, give him to Satan. Satan will answer him. Yes, Paul, I can hear you. Hamanus and Alexander have done harm. They are blaspheming the name of the Lord and you know more than other people, you know how the name of the Lord is. Hello. Eh? So now, I'm handing over Hamanus. This is first Timothy 4, I believe. I'm handing over Hamanus and Alexander to you. Help me teach them how to respect God's name. And Satan will be like, yes, boss. That transaction and, and conversation had to have happened for Paul to write it and say, I've handed them over to Satan. That conversation exists in Satan's records. That Paul will summon him and show up. I'll get there today if I have the time. It's the church that has put Satan devil in a place that he doesn't belong. It's an employee. He works for your father. What's your father? Do you, do you know the veracity of Satan's ministry? Do you, Holy Spirit, help me. Do you, do, you, do you know the confidence you have in what Jesus did? Is lodged in the intensity of the ministry of Satan as devil, Diabolon, accuser. So, Diabolon, hey, Jesus, Diabolon is heaven's quality control mechanism. Do you know quality control? People that search for any small impurity. This thing is very perfect, but that's how we can see one small speck inside. Jesus did the perfect work. Diabolo's job is to question its integrity every day. Every day. The day that devil checks your salvation and says you did something and it tallies with heaven's record, that day Jesus stops being your savior. Because it means there is something the blood did not wash. Do you understand it? So, Satan, accuser, is God's quality control mechanism. Keep checking this recipe. Keep checking. I dare you to bring me an accusation I will recognize. And Satan, because he's on God's payroll, says, Yes, boss. So, when it comes before God, God will ask him, How far now? Because they have an understanding. Yeah. And then we go, ah, I'm going to, I'm doing what he said me to do. Yeah. And every morning, you, you found nothing? What's the report? What's the update? It's just clean, sir. It's clean here. You, you, so you mean, oh, all I gave you when I submitted yesterday's file on AG, everything checks out. And everyone will be like, Everything checks out. It's like, well, okay, back to work. 
And it comes about consistently. Hovering around AG. Gather stuff today. Slanderer. Are you following me? Accuser. Gather stuff. On KS. Go back again before the presence of the Lord. As we see in Job 1 and Job 2. Ah, how far have you considered KS? Yes, I actually, I have a plethora of stuff on him. Oh, you're going to love this one. This one is novelty. This one, this one, this one, this one is novelty. This one is, this one is vintage. This one is antique. This one is, this, this is, this is premium, 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 premium. I mean, you need to know what I caught him doing today. Now, I, I, I think I got him now. Just wait for this, wait for this, wait for this. Wait. Drum roll, please. You know, low, low piano. Yeah, and it goes, oh yeah, so he was there yesterday and he did. That, I mean, I mean, you, there's no way you tell me you're not going to have this in your record. There's no, I mean, you that know all things, there's no way you don't have this one. I mean, come on, it's you, God. It's you, God. I mean, you know all these things. All power belongs to you. So you definitely, def, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be pretty, pretty bummed if you don't have this one. Because I'm sure you do. And then he presents it. And heaven is like. What now? <laughs> Sorry, mate. Sorry, mate, but... But we don't have it. And devil screams, Blood of Jesus! And heaven is like, That's why we don't have it! It's like, well, uh, all right, then I, I guess I'm have to go and try again tomorrow. The devil is not looking for you to trip up and fail. He's looking to have something on you heaven will recognize. It's all your failure that interests him. It is if your failure will recognize, we will recognize in heaven enough to damage your sonship. He gets no joy from you doing wrong. There's no wrong you will do that will teach Satan how to be wrong. Liar from the beginning, murderer from the beginning. There's no wrong you do that will impress him. So, oh, oh, oh my child, oh, oh, that was good, bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that, that bad, that bad was, that bad was good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got, got to give it to you. Got to give it to you. That, that was, I'm bad, but that was good. There's no bad you will do that will impress him. So he's not interested. See, we have, we have put Satan in a very silly position. We have, we're made him so powerful. He's not interested in your failure. He's only as interested as his assumption that, okay, this failure is juicy enough to puncture your sonship. So the very thing he leaves to puncture is the very thing he leaves to preserve.
does the exact opposite of an adversary. It's a mediator. The exact opposite of an accuser is an intercessor. Diabolon criticizing to hurt, condemn, severe relationship. A backbiter. That's Diabolon. Mm-hmm. Diabolon. By batter. Making charges that bring down and destroy. That's interesting, isn't it? Diabolon. Making charges that bring down and destroy. Why do you think Paul will tell the Colossian church, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth? Rather that that which is for edification. Something is wrong. It's not from your mouth. You have to hear it. Your ears shouldn't even hear. You know, there's a problem with when stuff is going on in church or in a community and of all the people, it was you that heard it. The, the problem begins with you. And your positioning and your posture yes, and your affiliations yes, that cost you to hear. Yes, yes, so while we deal with the sources of information, we deal with the processors of the information. How did you manage to be positioned to hear? You are, you are also diabolic. Because what does Philippians 4.8 say? and nine, whatever things are true, whatever things are pure, whatever things are noble, whatever things are excellent, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Philippians 2, let this mind, which was in Christ Jesus, be in you. Flee all appearance of evil. How were you positioned to hear? If you are honest about not being Absalom, Ahitophel, and Satan, that's the first question you ask yourself. Wait to how did I hear this one? That is how you retrace your steps. It was, it was when I went to this person. It's when I started chatting with this person. It was when I started going and you retrace your steps until you come out. Of the quagmire of diabolism. I repeat. Witches that fly at night are not dangerous. I've not prayed, I've told you at, at least 25 years, I've not prayed to bind a witch or territorial spirit. Come and fly and see what happened to you. I'm here. And you want to manifest. And you bring your manifestation to my territory. Come and fly. that I'm sat above except I don't believe it unfortunately for them I believe no you see satanic influences and devilish forces are real oh yeah <laughs> some nasty devils yeah nasty devils but you see for me 
the reality of the existence of darkness. Father highlights for me the reality of the truth. How can a witch be more real than Jesus? How can a witch be more real than God? How can a coven be more real than my citizenship? So while people are afraid of their existence, I am encouraged by their existence. Oh yeah, I am strengthened by their existence. I mean, a human being can invoke a force and it answers to them. And the force, the force they are evoking that answers to them is a force that answers to the force I'm invoking. You call it spiritual force, and he answers you. Mm. But that that your spiritual force answers you. When my ogre calls a meeting of spiritual forces, your ogre goes as conference attendant. We're okay. And that ogre is my father. No way. We're okay. Stay in your lane. You know, just respect the ranks. Let's go. That's all. I'm, I'm okay. I don't have a problem. I don't have to spend time and, and sweat praying to you, addressing you. And... No. No. So those, those, those guys are not, they are real, but they are not dangerous. Satan himself is not even a lion. It's like, Can Jesus be the lion of the tribe of Judah? And then Satan also comes and is a lion. Then we have a problem. We have a problem. A tale of two lions. That, that don't sound good. Don't sound good at all. It's like it's like a, it's, it's, it's a description showing how he's going around prowling, accuser. Uh-huh. I've seen it. Yeah, got it. It's just a description. But the lion. Diabolon. Backbiter. Making charges that bring down and destroy. The ones who have received forgiveness of sins are the ones he accuses. Why? Because he doesn't want you in right standing since he can't be in right standing. You know, so Peter had this tango with him, right? And Jesus called Peter, Satan. So if anybody understands the walking of Satan very well, among the people that walk to Jesus, it's Peter. So when Peter now writes in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary, I'm familiar with him. I was him briefly. So when he comes and writes his letter and refers to Diabolon as Satan, it's because Peter had satanic experience. Do you understand? His LinkedIn profile had a, a, a brief moment 
where he served us. <laughs> so you had experience in the satanic. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, his prophet will show, you know, for a brief moment, I withstood the eternal prophetic plan of God in Christ Jesus, or at least I tried to before I was called Satan. That was it. Draw a line from there. And he goes, the next part of his CV will read, Jesus betrayer. (laughs) Because his next job description, the next job he took after adversary was betrayer. Uh Or deny, deny or whatever, deny Jesus. Three times. And then he would draw a line under that. And then he would write abdicator because he ran away and hid. Went back to fish. Then he would draw a line and then go, Apostle. Very interesting CV. But he writes in First Peter, he says, Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary. Your adversary. That one that I, I, that I know and I've, you know, <laughs> whom my hands have. My <laughs> Walks about like a roaring lion. Like, like, like. Somebody say, like. Like, it's not. Simon, Simon, remember? Indeed, remember? Satan has asked for you. Has asked exakomeil is that word. Exatemeo from the word exciteo E-X-A-I-T-E-O Exciteome from the word exciteo you can write exciteo E-X-A-I-T-E-O with the forward facing accent I like to study God's word this word actually means to request full control to request full control. In other words, total handover. And it actually, it means that Satan went aggressively trying to beat God down. To convince God to release to him. He made his case a strong case before God trying to convince God on why God should give Peter to him and that case would have been built on facts and figures that Satan had on Peter convincing God as to why God will be justified to give over total control Satan. But before I explore that, isn't it interesting for you to see that if Satan is asking for permission to receive Peter, 
means he has no right to do anything to you without clearance. Now, the devil and the Satan that religion has painted is the one that goes around as he likes, causing all kinds of chaos, causing harm, destroying things, killing people as he wills. You have to pray to stop him. You don't see that Satan. The Satan in the scriptures is dark power under heavenly control. No, he has no right to go about doing what he likes. Not around here. For Satan to touch a believer in his permission. Devil on God's payroll. I and Satan are not enemies. He's too small. My flesh is a more dangerous enemy than Satan. <laughs> Every day I wake up, the war. The war, the throw down. <laughs> With all the bombs and nuclear and atomic warfare, the war is between me and my flesh. Me and my old man. Me and my old nature. That's the definition of enmity. Satan, excuse me. That's your enemy. <laughs> not anybody in your village you can't master your flesh you are chasing people that the cross defeated Satan no 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 Satan ain't got nothing on me my, my, but, my, but my flesh if I let it If I let it, so the fight. And this one is either vanquished or be vanquished. Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, my why do you think why why does Paul have to die daily? Why did yesterday's death and, and victory over the flesh? Why does it not suffice today? <laughs> One thing I do, putting my flesh under subjection. Because we're not of them. Peter says that draw back to perdition. That's the that's the fight. You and you. That's <laughs> Satan. That's inconsequential. So he goes and tells God, give me this person. You know I can't do nothing to them if you don't let me. I need you to let me. I want to go in on favor. Oh, you're spoiling my parole, man. I'll come back in the afternoon. That's the word. That's that word. Ask for. 
comes back. It, it basically means to badger somebody until they give in. Like a woodpecker, just annoyingly. What? Peter? No. Peter? No. And he keeps badgering and badgering and badgering. As asked for you. You there is the word Haimas. Him with an MS, AS at the end. Haimas. And it's interesting to know that the word you in Luke 22 31 in the Greek is plural. Satan has asked for you, right? But the Lord said to Simon, Simon. Simon, Simon, you who hear, you who hear. Look for some other translations. I don't know. NLT. Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31. He's speaking to one person. Speaking to one person. So it appears. And to realize that in that moment, in this moment, Simon, 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 you who hear the word of the Lord, Simon, Simon, all of you who hear the word of the Lord, Simon, 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 sift all of you. Peter was just the face. Of the disciples of the word abiding people. That Diabolon is contending for, begging for. Give me these people. Yes, sir. You are still standing with them, you're still on their side. Give these people to me. Let me. All of you. Find other translations. Satan has. Look at that. Look at that. Obtain permission to come and sift you. Simon, stay on your toes. Look at this. Satan has tried his best to separate all of you from me. This is why I don't read these translations when I'm preparing. I don't. Because they are just equivalent, dynamic equivalent translations. So I don't study with them. So I see them with you. What is Hamas? It's plural. So you could not have met an individual. So it was Simon, Simon at that point. Not Simon, Simon as Simon Barjona. <laughs> but Simon, Simon, all who hear the word of the Lord, all who hear the word of the Lord, all who hear the word of the Lord. Satan, the adversary, has 
badgered me, wearied me down because he has asked for all of you. In other words, in his books, none of you qualify for what I've given you. None of you should be joyful. None of you should be saved. None of you should be justified. None of you should have your salvation. None of you should be called sons of God. None of you should be fulfilled. None of you should have what you have. Give them to me. You all. All of you. Because Satan is threatened by the concept of the church. There's hardly any other entity that has suffered such an onslaught of attack, both from without and more crucially, from within as the church. Why is he so scared of the church? A small gathering of people naming the name of the Lord, he goes crazy. Why? In his books, you shouldn't be where you are. And what he's asking to do with you is to sift you like wheat. Which is a good thing if Satan plays by our kind of rules. Because if you sift like wheat, the wheat goes down through the sieve. The chaff and the stones and the pebbles stay up. Which is not a bad thing. God does it. Amos 9.9 For surely I will command and I will sift <laughs> the house of Israel among all nations. As grain is sifted in a sieve, yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground because the grain is what we are preserving. We sift to preserve the good. What the devil wants to do, however, the grain or the wheat along with the chaff or use the, the impurities to mangle the wheat until the wheat is not distinguishable from the dirt. That's what. So the English phrase, the English idiomatic expression to pick apart. When you say like a vulture, pick this person apart. Or this person attack this person with their words and pick them apart. The word pick apart comes from the Greek word or sift like wheat. That's where that phrase comes from. Pick up, to pick apart. That's, that's the transliteration in English of sift like wheat. It's not a good thing. Because when a person wants to do that, they are not interested in sifting to salvage. Do you understand? They are not interested in sifting to preserve what is good. They are sifting to force the good and the bad through the same measure and mix it all up so there's nothing left, good or bad. You can't throw it away as trash. You can't use it as good. And every time the devil asks for you, that's what he wants to do. It would have been fair if he was interested in you to take the beats that he's interested in and then leave the rest of you for somebody else who might be interested in to do whatever he or she wants. Not Diabolon. Diabolon wants to wreck you. 
so you're of no use to anybody else including him he has no need for you you are no addition to him but nobody should benefit from you not God not humanity not him he's not about to take the good and not, not worry about the rest he's not about to take what works for him and let the church or let your spouse or let your family or let the church have the rest know he is that's why he's begging that aggressively because he loathes the very thought of your fulfillment the very thought of your existence pisses him off so he wants to sift but he doesn't want to sift to preserve because that's not his place wants to grind and spoil and destroy something God cannot grant and Satan knows that that's why he begs because Psalm 62 and verse 1 I put here Psalm 62 and 11 says all power belongs to God all all shocker including the devil's power and he is the head Colossians 1 of principalities and power is Satan a principality if you say no then you have you'll be you'll be shocked very soon in your life because <laughs> he's a principality of this municipality <laughs> is he a power? yes he's not the power he's a power the way I am a power the way you are a power but all powers that be are from God including his Psalm 62 verse 11. Are you still here? Yes, mm. Psalm 62 11. Put it up. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, that. Romans 13, Paul echoes it. I told you that he must always meet the integrity test of the cross. Romans 13, 1 and 2. See Paul speaking. Romans 13, 1 and 2. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God. Paul speaking. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. All power, all authority. Why would Jesus say all the authority of the Father has been vested in the Son? If it's not all. Why will demons in pigs, before they got into the pigs, in a man, see Jesus and say, why are you doing, what are you doing here, sir? Okay, so we know what you have come for. Yeah, we, we will go. Once you tell us to go. Let's at least try and negotiate where we're going next. 
I, I think uh, the way the way it is right now, we think we want to we want to be in the water for a while. But we need to be in bodies to get into the water. But there's pigs over there. And we go in the pigs, please, please send us into the pigs. They didn't just get up and go into the pigs. Jesus permitted minions, demons. Because he's in charge of them too. I know this is not the message you've heard all your life as a Christian. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All, somebody say all. All. Authority. Authority. Mm -hmm. All authority has been given to me. All authority. Look at Luke 8. Look at Luke 8. Ooh, that sounds nice. Look at Luke 8 and 30. 8 and 30. Luke 8 and 30. Luke 8 and 30. Luke 8 30. Jesus answered and said, Ask him, What is your name? Your, he asked. And he said, Legion. Because many demons had entered him. Keep going. And they, Legion, begged him, Jesus, that he would not command them to go into the abyss. Because they are afraid of going there. And it's not their time to go there anyway. Now a herd of many swine pigs was feeding there on the mountain. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter the pigs. And he, Jesus, 33. Based on the permission they got. From their master. Diabolon may have sent them, but they knew who Diabolon's master is. So when the Lord of hosts came, Luke 22 31, let's, let's start to wrap up. Look at me. You will end well. It is, it, it is guaranteed because you're loving Jesus, you know, Jesus, darling Jesus, you know, loving Jesus, Jesus that is loving. You're, I'm not saying you loving Jesus, you're Jesus that is loving. Your loving Jesus is a praying Jesus. In his dying, in his resurrecting, in his interceding, is his loving. 2231 of Luke. Sift you like wheat, crush you, and let nothing survive. See the next slide. Oh, but I, Jesus, imagine that you have Jesus praying for you. (laughs) 
anybody coming at you and thinking they can sift you are ignorant of the fact that you're not on your own. Even if you stand on your own in the earth, somebody once promised, though father and mother forsake you, I, the Lord, will uphold you. God doesn't live because people did. Because they're people. He doesn't leave because they left. Your heart was broken. Your marriage crushed. Your staff left. Church members left. Fiance walked out of you after giving you an engagement ring or collecting one. And they left. I mean, it hurts. Was all right. It never runs out on you. That's the kind of love that it's found. It never gives up on you. That's the kind of grace. It never fails, man. Let's finish this. He's praying for me. It doesn't matter who is against me. He's praying for me. Even when you deserve what they're doing to you, he's praying for you. 
All somebody did was just to say, remember me in your kingdom. We're here, sons of God. The devil ain't got nothing on us. He ain't got nothing on us. Hebrews 7.25, as we bring this to a close. Hey, he's praying for you. And I, I, I'm saying he's praying, just so you understand the coverage of it, but the actual fact is he has prayed for you. So I'm saying, I'm saying he's praying, just so that the present tense captures the coverage of the effect of his prayer. It doesn't matter who prays against you. It doesn't matter who declares against you. Who is it that decrees the thing and it comes to pass? Lamentation 3, what? 33, 34, somewhere around there? Is Lamentation 3, 34, somewhere? Who is he that decrees a thing? And it comes to pass. Find it, find it, find it. It's Lamentation 3, definitely. Mm-hmm. 37. Who is he that speaks? Give us King James first. Let us enjoy it in King James. Yes. Who is he that saith? And he cometh to pass. When the Lord commandeth it not. Who goes that man? God did not say. Jesus did not pray. You said, and it happened. We should leave God and serve you. <laughs> Put it back up in another translation. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Who do you think spoke? And it happened. It's the master who gives such orders. You go back to the meditation 337. I want to see that translation you just put up. Oh, it is in New King James. Okay. Who is there who speaks and it comes to pass unless the Lord has authorized and commanded it? Uh, who is he? So, see, if you must be afraid, use it wisely. Daddy, they said that I'm not fine. They said, I'm so. It is not the setting that is the issue, it's the coming to pass. It's not the fashioning of the weapon that is the issue, it's the weapon prospering. And by God, the coming to pass and the prospering does not lie with man. Come on. 
Oh, they call me names. Let them say. I've been choosing that sticker when you were growing up on the bus. Let them say. They said, they said, them say, you say, who say? Now them go tired. They said, let them say. But they said I was this. They said I was that. They said I was the other. They said I was this. And let them say. What is my advocate saying? The person whose prayer matters. The person whose declarations carry weight. What has he said once? I've heard it twice. Once you rest in the assurance of what is written concerning you, the volume of the book, the volume, the volume, the volume, the volume. He lives. Hebrews 7.25. Put it, that's where we are, right? Therefore, he's also able to save. To the uttermost, I will not be tempted. Eh? I will not be tempted. Go and listen to you, to Jesus too. Those who come to God through him, since he, KJV, ever liveth. There's some scriptures that are only King James. Mm. Always lives. It sounds too, too, too. Ever liveth. You can't say ever liveth. Ever liveth. Doesn't work. Ever liveth. You know what I mean, right? Since he ever liveth to make intercession. Who is the them? Simon, Simon, Simon. Simon, Simon, Simon. Simon, Simon. His one job description of being alive is to uphold you until. While that one will accuse you until, this one would uphold you until. Analyze your case and determine the facts and backbite and slander and uh, you have an intercessor who is interceding on one basis only what he did so, so really the intercession itself eh? <laughs> take it seriously but it's not serious like that it's not like Jesus is begging or, or crying or praying. I will teach meditation or something. The intercession that Jesus is making is the intercession that his presence is. <laughs> because you see, in mediation, if precious now were my lawyer, to represent me in a case or to be an arbiter yeah, in an arbitration matter, my name will come up very frequently in the first few paragraphs of that engagement, whether it's written or verbal, and then at one point or the other, I would now be hereinafter referred to 
as party A or hearing after referred to as my client. Does that make sense? So in the first few few opening statements, she will refer to Pastor Alexander Victor, Pastor Alexander Victor, otherwise known as Pav, and after a while she'll say hearing after referred to as my client or party A. But for the entire proceeding, at least my client, my client, my client will keep coming up. That's a mediator. That's not what Jesus is doing. In the covenant that Jesus struck with God, your name is not inside. So how can he be mediating and your name is coming up? I'll wait for you to get it. The new covenant, God cut it with God. You have no covenant with God. It's Jesus and God. Jesus said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. It's your blood inside. So who enacted this new covenant? Jesus with the Father. Say, God, God transaction. Did you sign anywhere in the new covenant? Whose business entirely is the new covenant? Salvation is the exclusive act of God without any participation of a man. Whose business is this covenant? Is your name included as a signatory in the covenant? How then is it logically possible that Jesus' mediation or intercession brings up your name? So Jesus is not, as it were, representing you. Jesus is presenting himself. Presenting himself. Presenting himself. Because by the time I'm saying, I know she deserves to die, but you know, I know, then Jesus is speaking for you. On top of what? Is what he did. That is the only legal tender in the court of heaven. What he did. So he's not representing you, but he is presenting himself in his acceptance. Is yours. In his righteousness. That's why everything God is to you, he is where? In God is pleased with you. How? You are sat in the heavenly places in If any man be, he's a new creation. So, Christ, that's why I said it's a serious matter, but I don't think it's so serious. Like Jesus is going, Oh, Father, Father, don't keep wisdom, don't keep wisdom. I, I paid for him. I paid for no, 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 no. Just as Diabolon comes regularly before the throne to present his case, just the presence of Jesus. Say, Have you finished talking? Take a look at me now. Take a look at me. So he is making intercession because he is the intercession. He's the sacrifice. He's the appeasement. 
he's, he didn't just give a sacrifice. He is the sacrifice he gave. He is the sacrifice he gave. So he is the intercession he's making. The name he's mentioning in the intercession is the name that was given to him. How God highly exalted him, Philippians 2, and gave him the name. So your salvation is hinged on the name. Not your name. You died. Colossians 3, 3 and 4. And your lives are hid with Christ in God. Now that's the person that is interceding for you. You know, just to make you get a sense of understanding. But it's not like he's praying for you. But so when Jesus tells Peter, I have prayed for you. And if I was slain from the foundation of the world for your sin. And Satan is coming now because he has not seen the manifestation of the price I have paid because he's yet to see me pay it and so he's asking for you to be handed over to me but calm down I have prayed he reaches to say I have paid I have paid for you He is the the intercessor. Is the intercession? I mean, think about it carefully. First Timothy four five, I think, calls him the mediator. One mediator between God and man. The man. Mediator between God and man. The man. Now, a mediator is a bridge builder. What's your own? This one comes. And he's got a man. Then he comes. And he's a man. Because first of all, a man messed up. A man has to fix it. So I come as a man. And I'm like, God, what do you want? Son, okay, I'm a son. I'll give you sons. I, I. Somebody sinned, man sinned, man has to pay. Ah, okay. You know what? I sinned. And you know sin. I have become a sin. I'll pay. What is that it? Okay, you. What's your problem? Oh, you are not, you are enemies of God. So just once I do this, you and God are reconciled. And you're my brethren again. That's fine. Well, consider yourselves dead to sin. Consider yourself who are not the people. Now you are people. Yeah? You have been translated out of darkness into it's a wonderful light. Is that all? I said, you, you're okay. So, I gave you, me, on their behalf. I gave them, me, on your behalf. So, so he was a mediator, but not without cost. Not without consequence. He, as mediator, Jesus, is not just juggling things around. Jesus is the solution to both of the aggrieved parties. Your problem was man. Okay, I've come as man. I've started as a problem. Your problem, okay, you lost God. You lost citizenship. You lost sonship. You lost your heavenly places. Okay, you know what? Now that I've done this, you two take back everything you lost. You're happy here. You're happy here. And I did it. Not just I facilitated it. 
I am it. I am what I did. So I paid a price, but I am the price I paid. I brokered a deal, but I am the deal I brokered. I brought peace here, but I am the peace. He is our peace. Therefore, having been justified, Romans 5, by faith, we have peace with God. Who is that peace? Christ, who is our peace. So the dynamics change with Jesus. He's not just doing stuff. He is the stuff. Now, with this principle, when he says, I'm interceding for you, he's not saying, okay, I've reconciled the two of you. So it's not intercession as in I'm between both of you anymore. Or you will kill each other as though the blood is no longer relevant. Must be careful how you interpret the language of scripture. Because by the time you see, you see Jesus standing between us and God, it means the cross was not enough. The resurrected Jesus still has to be paying the price. Are you following me? If Jesus is interceding for God to not kill you when you sin now, then why did he die? You shouldn't have bothered to die to pay a price for sin. You should have just moved to the right hand of God, stay there, and just be juggling. Okay, don't kill them now. Don't kill them. I'm here. I'm begging now, Father. Just so I'm here now. I'm here. I'm interceding for them. He will not have needed to die if his death will not be the one time payment for sin. There's a problem with that theology, however, if Jesus having paid the price once and for all is now here interceding for the same price he paid or it is that intercession is not what the church has interpreted intercession to be intercession cannot be Jesus asking God to not kill you when that's what his sacrifice should have done now, if his sacrifice did that, then what Jesus is doing is not atoning for your sin, but presenting himself all the time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So Jesus is Jesus' intercession, it is the countermeasure to the enemy's continued accusation. Because Satan has refused to believe and accept that your sins are eternally forgiven. That's the problem. So every time Satan enters the court of heaven to accuse you, we have ensured the answer is always there. Since you are too foolish to recognize the cross, you are too foolish to recognize what Jesus did on the cross, that Jesus that you killed with your lawless hands is resurrected and is in your face. That's the intercession that Jesus is. Are you getting this at all? So anytime the accuser comes in and he's talking, he's talking, he knows it's a lost cause. Because that day in court, Jesus is sitting there. That means he keeps coming day after day, hoping he will catch God on a day where Jesus has a day off. Because price was paid, blood was shed. It don't mean nothing to someone who is not going to be ever, ever redeemed. So Jesus is intercession. He's very present. He's very present. He's my assurance. Jesus tells Peter as we close, I prayed for you. That your faith Feel not. 
that your faith fail not. You are not the preserver of your faith because you are not the originator of your faith. He who gave it as his gift is the one who preserves it. How many of you use an iPhone? How many of you have received updates recently on your iPhone? Okay, if you use, if you use a born-again Android phone. Because Android, sometimes you don't even know when you receive an update. But you have seen your Android receive an update before. Put it up. Put your hand up. Yeah, you have seen your phone receive an update before. Put your hand down. If you applied, if you applied for the update, you emailed Samsung, Techno, Infinix, iPhone. You applied and sent an email or a text requesting for an update. Put your hand up. By virtue of iPhone, Samsung, Infinix, giving you a phone on a contract, they are obligated to preserve the ecosystem of that application on your phone, even if you don't know what the update does. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. OTA, over the air. They push it over your network to your phone. You don't apply for it. You don't chase them for it. Oh, it's OTA. Once it's released, every mobile phone of theirs picks it from whatever radio network or Wi-Fi network that you're on. But you get the update. You do? You have to apply it to Jesus to preserve what he gave you. Come on! iPhone is obligated to covering your updates without any further engagement from you. Just because the phone is in your use for a period of time. You switch on your phone and one day an update is available. You see a security update and you don't feel threatened in the security of your phone. But somehow they figured something out Found a bug that you will never encounter because there are some departments of your phone you will never visit. Some of you. Not like some of us. That will enter everywhere there is to enter to know the phone. And then reset it and build it up the way we want. (laughs) The point is, they are contractually obligated to you. You do nothing else other than engage with it. And agree to to use it. He gave you salvation. You believed. You received. You received. It's yours. He's responsible for it. He's still loading it. But somehow he can stop looking after it. And stop preserving you until you do something about it. Then iPhone and Samsung and even Techno and Infinite are better at preserving their products. Be careful how people make you see God. It's how they sell a God to you that Infinix is better than. It's how they sell a God to you. That has zero after sales support. Zero. You see, the God you serve, the Jesus that died for you, is ever present before the Father. And this is God who can't forget what Jesus did. And who can't remember what you did. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know what I said? <laughs> he, he can't forget what Jesus did. Can't remember what you did. But just in case Jesus, God woke up one day and um, woke up in a manner of speaking and just felt like, maybe I should, maybe let me try forgetting today. That Jesus that did what he did plus what he did are right here. So Jesus ensures that even if God were to forget, he couldn't. So Jesus is our memorial before the Father. Jesus is our eternal memorial before the Father. Until that day, we will all surround the throne and God will look for Jesus and can't see him. Because he will say, my son, and all of us will answer. You say, no, I meant Christ. We're like, which one? <laughs> which one of them? Which of those? We Christ. You getting this? Yes, sir. man, I pray for your faith and not fail. When you're strengthened, strengthen your brethren. Because you will not fail. Peter fell. In fail. So when he was strengthened from his fall, he strengthened the bread. The end result of all of this is back to where we started. God means you well. Jeremiah 29 11, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Thoughts of good, not of evil. Evil cannot come from he who gives only good gifts. Psalm 40 and 5. Tell anybody you will end well. Your intercessor guarantees it. Psalm 14 and 5. Many, O oh God, are your wonderful works which you have done. And your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would, if I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be known. If Jesus on the earth before the cross will pray and the Father would hear, How much more Jesus post cross at the right hand of the Father while in you. Because it was a Jesus that hadn't died. Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth said to God in John 11 at the tomb of Lazarus, I thank you Father because you hear me always. So if I were a prayer point in the mouth of Jesus, I can go to sleep knowing that God hears him. Amen, that's enough for me. I'm not, quote, I'm not trying to imply. Jesus said to the Father, I, Simon, I heard. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
I said it there in John eleven forty two. 42. When he said, Father, I thank you that you hear me always. So if Jesus prayed for him, and this Jesus praying is, is Jesus who never has network failure. He is the prayer he's praying. He is the prayer. He is the intercession he's interceding. He's the mediation he's mediating. He's the sacrifice he offered. Then I am guaranteed here in this world and there I will end well. So whenever you pray in the flesh I mean in the earth in this body of flesh when you pray Rest assured that the Spirit of God on your inside it has the headphones to what Jesus is praying by His presence in the most holy place. When you have this understanding, prayer will never be difficult for you. Prayer, especially in the Spirit. You can never in your understanding grasp what the Spirit is praying. Speak a, speak, speak a million words a second. You will, never, you will never line up with the intercession that Christ is. Until you are leveraging the advantage of praying by the Spirit. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. When you get there, it doesn't cost you anything. We can be laughing right now. Malo sefo daka. Parande lebode. Shakete bala handele. Kambole sireke bijada. Eganamala. Rendo koshe virida da animes. Kabarinde ni sopro. Kande baliko seberishka yenemehis. Elo sevada mahal. Because as you do that, Listen to me. Listen to me. As you do that, anytime you are guaranteed to be praying the intercession God is in Christ. Do you know how much advantage that gives you? That you don't have to think about God. What is your will about this? What are you? And clarity comes. At all times. Diabolon can try all he wants. But that's why in this era, I don't know if, if you have ignored everything I've ever taught on consciousness, I don't know how else to help you. I honestly don't know how else to help you. Because this is all about heightened consciousness. My elder brother is, is the prayer he's praying for me. God will never get up and determine to hurt me. Listen, the day God hands you over to Satan or his cohorts is the day he owes all of us an apology for denying Satan when Satan asks for us in Simon. Because if Jesus, if God will do something, he must show you an example in scripture.
if he just willingly abdicates you to Satan to do with you as he likes, he should have at least done that to Simon. But he prayed Simon up and then told him you will be strengthened. He didn't tell him. He didn't tell him you will be strengthened. He just said when you are strengthened. Because his prayer guaranteed strength will come. So when, when that strength I've prayed for you to receive, when you receive it, not if, when. When you receive it, pass it on. And they, the apostles, have passed it on. And on and on and on. And that's why we are able to comfort those with the comfort. Never been comforted. There would have been at least one example of God permitting Satan to deal with a believer after the cross. Even before the cross, God told Satan, don't touch his life. Don't touch his life. How much more after the cross? Now we are sons of God. The fullness of the Godhead lives in us. And then God allows Diabolon, Satan, accuser, adversary. Who can stand against the Lord? No one. No one will. Who can stand against the King? at the time you do that you are being a successful Satan to God you can't you can't you can't and because we have that assurance we know that nothing troubles us Uh, David will write and say blessed be God who has not given us as prey to their teeth the snare is broken and we escaped our help is in the name of the Lord that's our God. And that's how I from the beginning that your faith will not fail. Oh, come on, give God praise in here. Today. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at while the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus two three four seven zero triple eight one double eight six four. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.